You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Amen. Let's hear it for Kara. Hey, gotta like get her recorded reading scripture and just listen to that all day, every day. I love it. I love it. All right, so raise your hand if you have ever been in a fight with a sibling or a parent. Anybody? Any? Maybe it's the opposite question. Raise your hand if you've never been in a fight, right? Um, I remember this one time so clearly in uh, growing up. I have two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister, uh, and I have great parents, and um, I remember being in middle school. If you're in middle school, raise your hand. Yeah, let's hear it for them. Awesome. Uh, and my sister was just going into high school, and we had a great youth group going up. And, uh, and so I remember before youth group, we would play tackle football, right? That was the best thing. No pads, but ta- tackle football. It was basically keep away, right? And so um, and we'd be outside our youth building, and we'd be having a blast, and all the kids are hanging out. And then they'd call everybody inside. And my sister and I think one or two of her friends, uh, as I remember correctly, decided not to go inside, but to go to McDonald's across the street and hang out there for you, yeah, <gasps> right? You can't do that. Um, and so that's what I felt, and that's what I thought. And so I went home, and being the good little boy that I was, told my parents on my sister, which caused an enormous fight between me and my sister. And, uh, and so we're yelling at each other, and then she throws out the, I hate you. And then I throw out, I hate you, right? And then we're just, we're just, just at each other's throats. And my mom, being such a wise and loving parent, pulls us both together and she goes, can you like just think about this? What the words that you just said that just came out of your mouth, what would you do if that was the last thing that you ever said to your sister? What if she died tonight? Man, I lost it, right? I was, ooh, right? Um, because that's a reality uh, that, that we don't know when our, the last thing is is that we're going to say to somebody. We're not promised tomorrow and we were in this all-out fight and we were saying things we didn't mean we were arguing, we were yelling, and then all of a sudden it, it became this huge blowout. And that's really relationships in life today, right? We, we, we end up getting into these, these battles, into these wars, into these fights. It's, it's this hostile environment. And that's what the people we actually like. <laughs> and the people that we don't even like, we don't even want to be in relationship with them, right? We don't want anything to do with them. And all of that is culminated because of a thing called sin. And that's what we're going to be looking at Today, brokenness and sin exists in all relationships. World wars are fought because of disagreements between people. Civil wars fought because of ethnicity, religion, politics. I mean, turning on the TV over the last few years, I mean, most of us have just sat in just disbelief looking at what's going on in our world today. It, it almost visually seems like we're watching a movie Yet it's real life that there's hostility between race, law enforcement and people, political parties. What's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now that's just like we sometimes are distant from those things, but it's actually real. It's actually happening. And it leaves us crying out to God in hopelessness, begging for peace. And scripture speaks so clearly about this. 
and directly about this in verses 14 through 18. So that's where we get to go today. This isn't uh, a sermon because I want to be relevant with today's times. This is the text that God has brought us to this morning. We're walking through the book of Ephesians. This is Paul writing to a church that he loves. And guess what? Thousands of years ago, they dealt with these same things. And so what Paul was writing to this early church is the same thing that we're dealing with today because of the brokenness of sin in the world. But God has hope for us in these things. So let's look at verses 14 through 16. It's going to be up on the screen. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to hold it in your hand. So it's talking about this wall of hostility. This wall of hostility. So what is this wall of hostility? Let's look at verse uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. That's Paul talking about Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. It's saying, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off has, have been brought near. So there's this dissension, disagreement, hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. Those of Jewish descent, those that were born in the lineage of um, Israel, the lineage of the 12 tribes of Israel, and everybody else. And so it says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, so the Jews and the Gentiles, both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. So here's what we're seeing here. Hostility is used two times in this passage, two times in these verses, but they're actually directed towards two different things. The first thing that we see, this context between people, Jewish people and Gentiles, right? So we can kind of put in here anything that we want where there's hostility. Brother, sister, black, white, Russia, Ukraine, Angry people, law enforcement. Florida Gators and who, whoever that other team is. I think there's another team in Florida, the Seminoles or something like that. <clears throat> there's hostility between these Jews and these Gentiles, and it's harsh. I mean, like, severe, this hostility that's going on here, not only in this community and in this culture, but also happening within the church. And Paul's calling it out. And we see this in the book of Acts. Peter, one of the disciples, is speaking in Acts 10, 28. He says, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile home or to associate with him. That's how severe it was. The, the segregation that we experienced in America years and years and years ago, where people couldn't use the same water fountain was the severity of what we were seeing here with the Jews and the Gentiles. They couldn't even, by law, enter into a Gentile's home. Like, this is terrible. This is horrible. And so uh, we see this in uh, Acts 11, 2 through 3. Peter arrives back from Jerusalem, and he's hanging out with the Gentiles, and the Jewish believers are criticizing him, beating him down, saying, how dare you enter the home of the Gentiles and even eat with them, right? Because eating was an intimate thing. That was a sign of friendship, right? Of relationship with one another. And they're criticizing him. How dare you do that, Peter? 
So that's the hostility that's going on in this culture today. And we experience that very thing today as well. This disunity because of sin, how people look, how they act, how they worship, the music that they listen to. These walls of hostility in our culture based off of uh, political agendas. COVID protocol. The HOA president and everybody else in the HOA. Right? It's, it's everybody's against him and he's against everybody. Or her. Right? That's, that's the hostility that's raising up with these people. And it's so magnified. And it's fierce. And it's ugly. And it's not how God intended it to be. And this disunity doesn't stop. This hostility doesn't stop just between people. Because in verses 14 and 15, we see that it's between people. Look at, look at the verses there. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. That's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one. That's what Christ did. He made them one people. Right? That's between people. We're having no hope without God in the world. Right? And then um, he does this through these things. We're going to get to that. But then look at verse 16, because it shifts from the, the hostility between people, between us, to the hostility, the wall of hostility that's between us and God. And so he goes on and he says in verse 16 that he might reconcile us, us, right? The two, the Gentiles and the Jews, us both to who? God. Therefore, breaking down through the cross, killing the hostility. So there's two different types of hostility. One between people, two between us and God. God made man. God created man and woman to enjoy him, to worship him. And he created for them this perfect home in the Garden of Eden and had with them a perfect relationship. So that God made all things for us humans to enjoy. All the things in the garden that he made were for the pleasure and the enjoyment of of Adam and Eve. They were to freely eat of all things, except for the things that God knew were bad for them, the things that were going to only bring them death. Because he said, if you eat of these trees, you will surely die. So he said, I made all of this goodness for you, but there's something here that's only going to bring you death and hostility. Don't eat of this. But what do we do? We go and we eat of the thing that God has forbid, the thing that will bring only death. And we do that on a daily basis. We continually choose the things in our lives that will only bring us death and hostility and brokenness instead of choosing what God has given us and blessed us with, which is life. And so sin broke this relationship, creates deaths, uh, death, and, and creates this wall. And this wall removes the access between humans and God. It removes this access. So in order to regain this access, something has to be done, and really something has to die in order for access to be regained. And so what God did back in the Old Testament is he gave the Jews temporary access to him through the sacrificial system. This is what we see in the Old Testament. And this is what we find in Leviticus 1 through 10. So I'm just going to break down a couple of these things. So this is Leviticus 5. And this is how people regained access to God. It was a temporary thing that God had put in place so that the people, his people, the Israelites, could have access to God himself. Right? Are we, are we tracking? 
So Leviticus 5, here's some of the things that they had to do in order for them to uh, break down these walls of hostility just for a temporary moment. Um, If you failed to testify, so what does that mean? Um, Selah hits Hope, Everly's standing there, she sees it happen, Hope runs to mom and dad and says, Selah hit me. I go back, I see that Everly was there, and I say, Everly, did Selah hit Hope? And Everly just goes, I don't know. Right? She doesn't want to tell on either one of her sisters. She doesn't want to get anybody in trouble. So she goes, I don't know. I don't know what I saw. Right? So she's failing to testify. So that's what that is. Right? So if you fail to testify, if you touch anything unclean, okay? So if you touch anything unclean, so uh, out of my pool cage, every now and again, there's uh, a dead lizard. And so Everly runs out there, and she wants to play with it, and then she picks it up, and she throws it out of the pool cage. Right? That's something that's unclean. It's a dead carcass. Right? So if, if you fail to testify, if you touch anything unclean, or you make a foolish vow. You ever make an empty promise? Parents, you ever say to your kids, if you do that again, you're not eating for the rest of your life. Right? An empty, broken promise. Like if you don't fulfill your vow, a foolish vow, you make a foolish vow, um, what you need to do is you need to bring a sheep or a goat to the priest and have them sacrifice it so that blood could be spilled over and atone for your sins to regain you access with God. That's part of the sacrificial system. Okay? Leviticus 5 again. If you unintentionally, hear this word, unintentionally defile the Lord's sacred property. Now I want you to raise your hand. Have you, any of you, spilled your coffee here in this church? Raise it up high because I've cleaned it. Right? Come on. Come on. Yeah, all of you, you owe me a ram. Okay, so next week, you need to go out and get a ram and bring it here to cover your sins of accidentally spilling your coffee in the church. Crazy, right? Leviticus 6. If you cheat, lie, steal, swear. Don't ask. You owe 20% restitution, right? You have to pay 20% over what you you cheated on and and, and stole, Um, and you, you have to give a ram. Do you know how many rams my girls would need a day? Like, as their dad, you think I'm going to be broke because they're like girls and they need like cars and weddings and all that? I'm going to be broke because of the amount of rams I'm going to need to purchase on a daily basis to atone for my girls' sins. Like, it's crazy. But this is the temporary thing that regained people access to God because blood needed to be spilled. So here's the visual. I want to put this up on the screen. Here's a picture. So there's this wall of hostility, this broken, severed relationship where there is no access between Jew and Gentile, between Jew and God, and between Gentile and God. And for some reason, God chose to give a temporary access between the Jew and God through the sacrificial system, okay? But here's the good news, and this is what I love about this passage of Scripture. God tears down the walls. Amen? That's what God has done for us. Even though we were the ones who chose to put that wall in place by by sinning against a holy God, by disobeying a holy God, we were the ones who put that wall in place. Okay? And so God, in his love and in his mercy and in his grace, tear down these walls. So how does God break down the walls? Look at verses 16 through 18. Verse 15. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances. 
So let me um, clarify. Because many of you know the, the scripture that Jesus actually says in Matthew 5, 17. He says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. This is not a contradiction. Paul here saying, by abolishing the law, is not a contradiction to Jesus saying, I have not come to abolish the law. They're speaking about different things. I agree with a, a pastor and an author named John Piper in one of his commentaries on this passage. He's speaking about the law as it applies to getting right with God. The access that we see in verse 18. Right in verse 18, this is what we see. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So it's, it's abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in these ordinances, the sacrificial system, the circumcision that they had to, to do, the Sabbath, the dietary laws, the ceremonial, ceremonial requirements, the things that they had to perform. He's removed and abolished the performance of gaining access with him. So religion says, this is what I have to do in order to have access to God. That's what religion is. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to overcome that, to fulfill that, to remove that. And so this is what we're seeing. Jesus does not bypass justice. We have to understand that. Jesus does not bypass justice. God does not bypass justice with Jesus. He doesn't remove it because justice is super important. That's one of the attributes of God. God is a just God. We see that in Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. But what he does is he ends how justice and righteousness play out through the sacrificial system. I'll say that one more time so we can catch that. He ends how justice and righteousness play out through the sacrificial system. So he breaks down the wall by fulfilling, completing the requirements of the law. So he says, if you eat of these trees, you will surely die. So what does God do? He overcomes death. Verse 16, look at it. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So he does this by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the audience through his death on the cross. This is the only religion, Christianity is the only religion where God himself, the higher power, the higher being, actually fulfills the requirements himself based off of nothing that you can do, based off of nothing that you can earn. He fulfills his own requirements for you. That's love. That's mercy. That's grace. Because he knew that this whole thing that was set up in the sacrificial system was only temporary. Jesus wasn't a plan B. Jesus always was the plan. And so he put something in place so that the Jews can continue to have, the Israelites can continue to have access to him, but then says, I'm going to send myself. I am going to wrap myself in human flesh. And I'm going to live a life of perfection, something that no human will ever be able to do. If you're in here and you are perfect, please raise your hand. Kids, nothing? None of us. He did that for you. He lived that life for you. And then he dies. Now, has anybody in here ever died and rose again? No. It's not possible. 
He is the only one that is able to. So he dies, raises again, defeats death, hell, and the grave, and restores relationship and access and breaks down the walls of hostility in himself. So, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances through his death on the cross, and what does he do? He gives us access through the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 18. For through him, we both have access. Through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Access that was once by the law is now through the spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. God tears down the walls. So let's put that picture up again with the, with the brick. Yeah, so, so this is our reality. There is hostility and a wall between us and God. Everyone. Now, now Jew and Gentile, just so we know, like, that's everyone. Like, you know where in Romans 3.23 it says all have sinned? Right? That's all. Everyone. So this is every single person. This wall between us and God and this wall between people groups, different types of people based off of anything. And what does he do? Here's the next picture. He unites us into one body. He unites us through the power of his death and his resurrection so that we all have complete and full access in him. Amen? Like that's, if, if you're trying to wrap your mind around the reality of what is the gospel, the gospel is as God tears down the walls of hostility between us and between him and removes them completely forever and ever. That's the good news of the gospel. Like when we're saying, okay, go out and share your testimony with the world, that's what we want you to share. There is a God who loves you and broke down every single wall so that you and I can have relationship with him again and with each other. And by doing so, levels the playing field between all people groups everywhere. So it's not rich, poor, black, white, Ukraine, Russia. It is one human person that God has broken down all the walls so that we can be fully united in him. But there's a problem for this, in this is that the fact that we still live in a broken, fallen, sinful world. And so we should long, desire, earnestly, I just yearn, for this unification, to be united with all people. But there is a brokenness that takes place because we still live in a sinful world. So that longing should help us look towards eternity and say, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and one day there will be complete unity between all people, no matter what your social status is, your ethnicity, no matter what you do, in life, that there will be complete unity. God tears down the walls. This is the good news of the gospel. So what is the result? It's not hostility anymore. It's unity. So he speaks of this in verses 14 through 18. One person, one body. And where we get this wrong is that this unity is in Christ. A little earlier on in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, it says he's created us as one body, with Christ as the head. The head is the authority. The head is what tells my arm to do this. 
Without my head, I could not do this. I could not speak. I could not read. I could not walk. The world today doesn't need a new president, a new political party. What it needs is Jesus. Because this unity will only take place when Jesus becomes the end all, be all. And so when we're looking at this, the result is not hostility but unity, but there must be submission. We must trust him as our king, not a Republican or a Democrat. We need to trust him as our king, as our authority. God has to be placed at the center. The government is not going to create unity. They can try to manage it, Right? And, and, and sometimes they do a better job than other times. They're gonna, they're, that's what they're going to do. We've asked them to, we've appointed them to protect us in some way, shape, or form. But unless they are submitted to Christ as their head, as their authority, it won't happen and we won't see it. And so we can long for it. But what does he do? Look at, look at what he says three times in just these four verses. It says he created peace for all. That word peace is actually the same word all three places. And it's, it means oneness, peace, quietness, rest, to join and tie together into a whole. So sin will always destroy unity, but we will experience complete unity in heaven for all of eternity because of what Jesus did. And so we have an everyday response to these things. What is that everyday response? Number one, stop fighting. I know that sounds like a, like that's what it sounds like I'm saying, talking to my kids, right? Stop fighting. But like, that's really what it means. We have to stop fighting with our spouse, with our kids, with our siblings, with our neighbors, with, between races, between political parties, between our status. The fighting has to stop. And we have to begin to place Jesus at the center of those relationships. Marriage is not easy. I heard someone say one time that God didn't create marriage to always make us happy. He created it to make us holy. Why? Because when you have two people, they are both 100% sinners, correct? Well, when you take those two people and unite them and they become one, that's not 50% sin in one and 50% sin in the other like my kids. No, it's 100% and 100%. It's a 200% sin coming into one household, one home. Like, my sin is fully on display every day in front of my wife. I can't hide it from her. I can do a really good job of hiding it from all of you. Like, when we're around each other, like, I can put on the mask and act like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good dude. I can't hide it from her. She sees it day in and day out because she's around me all the time. But fighting will never create unity. And so when there's a disagreement between us, fighting is never going to be the solution. What we need to do is die to ourselves and center our marriage on Jesus. God's the one who created marriage. So if Jesus is not the center, something's going to be broken. I love what Paul Tripp, a pastor and author, says there. He says, in our fighting, though, we are more concerned about the behavior of others than the spiritual condition of our own hearts. 
So kids, imagine the next time you get into an argument with your sibling or your parent. You start thinking, where is my heart in this? Not what did they do to me, but what am I doing right now that's causing this fight, this disagreement? Spouses, you in a rough spot in your marriage right now? You really struggling to connect? Go to the Lord with your heart. Stop trying to fix the other person. Parents, are you struggling in relationship with your kids? Stop trying to change them and allow God to work on your heart. When we do that, God begins to work through the power of his Holy Spirit and create something that is beautiful. And you're like, well, yeah, but they never do that. You're here. (laughs) You're hearing this. And because you're hearing the word of God spoken over you, you're the one that's going to be held accountable for that. So often we blame other people. Let's worry about the condition of our own hearts in every fight, in every argument, in every disagreement, and God will move. And he will create the peace that transcends our understanding. So stop fighting. Don't look down on anyone. There is no reason to ever, ever, ever look down on anybody based off of anything. Like every single person in this world is created in the image of of God. We are image bearers. So if you're homeless or living in a mansion, you both are created in the image of God. If you're one color and not another color, you were created in the image of God. We cannot ever, ever, ever look down on anyone because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. He has broken down that wall of hostility. And then what do we do? We put God first in everything. Next time you're arguing with your spouse, I challenge you, stop and pray. Do it with them. Start praying even if they don't want to. Kids, you're fighting with your parents? Be like, hold on one second, hold on one second, let's pray. Do it. We need that. Put God first in everything. And if we begin to do that, God will create the unity that he desires within us through the power of his Holy Spirit and proclaim his love to the world. And it's not just like the, throw that at the end of the sermon because we need to go share the gospel. No, 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 no. When we're proclaiming his love to the world, we are telling people that are broken and hurting the only hope that they will ever hear in their entire life. We need to proclaim his love to the world. We're not proclaiming a religion. We're not proclaiming a set of rules. We're not proclaiming a church gathering. We're proclaiming a God who loves every single person that he has created for his glory. So go and share that good news with every single person that you know. Because God loves them just as much as he loves you. And he wants a relationship with them just as much as he wants a relationship with you. And if you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the one who is the center of all things, that wall of hostility will continue to rule over your life. 
you will continue to try to fill the void in your isolation from God and others with a whole bunch of things in this world. But God wants you to know that you are loved right where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how sinful you may think that you are more than anybody else, right where you are, God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And so you can trust that he has accomplished all things for you on the cross. And he's the one who's created unity. We can't create that unity. We need to depend fully in him. Amen? Can I pray for us? Ben's going to come back on up. Uh, at this time, uh, I'd love to invite our youth. Um, we have uh, any, anybody who's middle school, high school, pre-middle school um, that's here, um, we have an opportunity for you to go process this a little bit deeper um, with, or just in a, in, a, in a fun, encouraging way um, out in the back over there. So if you want to start heading back that way, we have some leaders that are going to hang out with you and talk to you about these things. Um, and um, we just want to encourage you parents um, to continue to get to know uh, Jose, uh, who's our new family ministry director, and some of our youth leaders because we're in the process of starting a youth ministry because we really do believe that, that they're not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And we want to invest in them as such. So can I pray over us as we prepare our hearts before the Lord? And Seek him for the peace that we all desire, that we all want for our world. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for tearing down the walls of hostility. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that is new to us every morning. That we don't wake up hopeless and helpless that we can wake up knowing that you have paid it all on the cross. God, I know that there are some here that squirm when you start talking about hostility between um, ethnicities and, and squirm when you start talking about government and squirm when you start talking about things because then all of a sudden it becomes this, this uh, polarizing topic. But God, you have broken down every wall. And you love every single person in this world, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from. And I pray that we as your church would resemble that. That we as your church would love one another in such a way like your word says, that the world around us may know your goodness. The world around us may know how amazing you are based off of our love for one another. God, I pray that we would be the type of church that if we cease to exist, the community would miss us. I pray that we would be the type of church that would love our neighbors so well that even the thought of a, of a moving sign in our front yard would, would break their hearts because we have such impacted them for your glory, for your name. God, we long and hope for a day, for the day that you return and you create unity, wholeness, peace for all. But until then, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and lead us to live that out here on earth. And when we begin fighting with others, arguing with others and getting frustrated with others, God, I pray that we would bring our own hearts before you and that you would gently 
stir in us. And if we need it, God, fiercely stir in us in understanding that we are broken and that we need your power in our lives. God, I pray that you would humble us. I pray that you would unite us. God, tear down the walls. In your name that we pray. we stand and respond this unity that has been purchased for us like Bill was saying it's hard to locate it in this broken world sometimes and it could be just because we're worship leaders but I've found that sometimes the easiest place to locate that unity is in worship with a body and singing together this song, the chorus, it says that we're going to watch him tear down the walls and then we're going to watch the giants fall. But we're going to continue to praise and let that praise arise. And so as we go, we can sing to one another in unity and remember that that unity that was purchased for us goes out with us, out there into the world that is not very unified at all. But we can carry the unity of Christ that has been purchased for us. And that can get us pretty far, I think. So let's stand and we'll respond with this song of worship.